Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. Amen, amen. So, I know it's been a while. I don't know if you guys remember what we talked about last time. We talked about uh, faith, healing, and miraculous powers. Uh, so that, that was pretty, pretty amazing. Today we're going to talk about discernment of the spirits tongues and interpretation of tongues mm. and we get this from first uh, corinthians chapter 12 i'm going to read it so that we all um in this in the right place now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good to one there is given through the spirit the message of wisdom to another the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another than per- interpretation of tongues. So this is where we're going to dive in to today, is the interpretation of tongues, the tongues themselves, and discernment. So the first thing that we want to dive into is the discernment of the spirit. Um, in this case, as we looked into it, the discernment of the Spirit, we kind of know what discernment means, just to have good judgment, pretty much, just to make it as, as simple as possible, to have good judgment. But when we look at what, what this gift talks about, it's actually the judgment between um, God's Spirit and the evil Spirit, or God's Spirit and any other Spirit. And what is godly and what is not. And as you can fathom, this is a very important thing. And that's why people who have this kind of spirit, a spiritual gift and discernment, um, that's very helpful. Because it's not only separation between, you know, like, oh, this is demonic and this is from God. But anything, like when you're making decisions, it's like, is this a decision that is godly, that's mm-hmm. going to honor God and it's going to be beneficial to you? Or is it something that it might look good, but it's going to hurt you? Right. Okay. Because sometimes, uh, even as I was studying, I kind of went back and forth about it. Because at first it was like, well, no, it's just, this is a a demon. (laughs) This is an angel kind of thing. But no, it's so much more. It's like, how can you honor God in this decision? Does it honor God in this decision? So that's why it's a very, very important uh, uh, gift. Of course, like all the other ones. Uh, are very important. So a couple of verses that we wanted to look in, look into. Do you already have one? Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. So the first uh, thing that we found was uh, from 1 John chapter 4, uh, where we're encouraged by the author. It says, Dear friends, this is verse 1 of 1 John chapter 4, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. And so he breaks it down really simple, that if someone is, able, is preaching and teaching the gospel and it aligns with the word of God, um, we know that they're speaking truth from the Spirit of God. But if they're teaching of their own... Um, their own opinions or things of the flesh, um, things that would gratify our sinful nature, things that don't align with the gospel as it's already been revealed, 
um, then we know that that spirit is not of God. Um, and I love because Sister Cynthia reminds me of this all the time that we look for revelation, but God has already revealed himself in mm-hmm. his word. And so if we hear a word that is contrary to what is already revealed in scripture, then we can test that spirit according to the, We're not just testing it based on how we feel or some sort of instinct. We're testing whether or not the, what is being preached and taught, what, it, what is being prophesied or uttered or, or spoken in the name of God. Um, is actually from God because does it align with the word as revealed in scripture? Um, the scripture has been vetted and tested and approved by men and women of God for centuries um, over actually millennia. And who are we to, to deviate from that precedent that's been set and tested and affirmed by the Holy Spirit, um, by the church for generations? Um, it's here for a reason. We, we are blessed to have the word of God to be able to test words and approve them. So the, the gift of distinguishing spirits, like my husband said, the word distinguishing there in the Greek is actually to judge rightly. To, to, it's, it's a judicial term. So it's you're, you're listening to what someone is saying and you're judging and weighing those words of whether or not they're um, a false prophecy that is not from God or whether it is actually a revelation and a teaching that aligns with scripture and aligns with what God would actually be speaking um, you know, I, I like to say that, you know, if we want to, we want to hear from God, we want to hear from, you know, we want the Holy Spirit to speak in and through us. Uh, but we need to learn God 101, which is his scripture. And a lot of times we want it. We want an inspiration. We want to hear from God. We want a word from God, but we don't look to his word. And that's where we should start. That's the foundation of all things. And if we hear anything that's outside of what is already revealed in scripture, then we can test that spirit, as it says in First John chapter 4, we're encouraged to test the Spirit. So you're not supposed to just hear someone who has the title of pastor or preacher and or prophet or whatever and accept what they say just because they have some sort of title or because they've been given a pulpit. We're supposed to test what they say. You're supposed to test it according to the scriptures and make sure that what they're saying actually aligns with the truth as revealed in scripture. Yeah, and just to follow up, follow up on that, exactly what you were saying, is in Hebrews chapter 5. This is right at the end. Um, and I'll just read a little bit uh, so we have context. In verse 12, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse... Hebrews 5, 14. I'm sorry, 5. Thank you, sir. But I want to start at 12. It says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish or discern good from evil. So they're talking about that this distinguishing, this discernment comes from being deeper in the word of God. Being deeper in understanding who God is. So exactly what Trish was saying, that it's hard for you to have discernment of good and evil if you don't know what good and evil looks like that's been revealed to us in the word of God. That's why when people are young in their faith who have not studied, who have not listened, there's no discernment. There's no godly discernment. Because they're guided by their own flesh. Like when Trish, when Trish was saying, like, you have a good judgment, right? You, say you, you judge things as you listen to, but you're not judging onto your own value, but you're judging onto 
the scripture. You're comparing the, what's the words that are coming out to the scripture, what the Holy Spirit is speaking to. But it's not just my values. It can't be my values. It's got to be God's values. And you do that when you're, I love what it says, but solid food is, is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So that, that is a big key. It's a constant use of your spiritual gifts. It's a constant use of what God has given us. One, the Holy Spirit, two, the Word of God. That's when we're going to be able to distinguish. But if we don't have this truth, we're not going to be able to distinguish. We're not able to discern what is good for us. Uh, again, what is God's will for us would be an even better way to say it. And in Romans chapter 12, the, the other facet. So first of all, to be able to have strong discernment. Again, it's not just a gut feeling. It's not mm-hmm. just an instinct. Although the Holy Spirit may give you that, that when you hear someone preaching, you just feel that something is off. Something is not right. But before we cast some sort of judgment or we make a decision about that teaching, because sometimes you may feel it's not right because it just makes you uncomfortable, right? So in order to know that your discernment is from God, you test it according to scripture. But it also says in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1 and 2, it says, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So as we use his word to renew our minds, Mm -hmm. as we become transformed and conformed to the image of Christ, as our hearts change, as our minds change, and again, we align ourselves with scripture, that practice of daily um, soaking in the word and and absorbing the truths of God and not only just hearing the word but actually doing what it says and, and being conformed like it says here be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you're not just hearing words come in and out but you're actually applying the word and allowing yourself to be transformed and as you do that your gift of discernment will be sharpened because when you hear you'll be able to call scriptures to mind mm-hmm. without having to sit and weigh and, and search because this, his word will be hidden in your heart. That's from Psalms that you might not sin against God. Mm-hmm. So as you, as you are transformed, as your mind is transformed, as your heart is transformed, your gift of discernment will be sharpened because you'll have his word already inside of you, hidden in your heart. So that when something is said that is contrary to that, a scripture will come to mind and you'll say, I, I know based on Hebrews chapter 11 that that's not right. Or I, I know from... You know, John 15, that that's not what Jesus said, that he said this. Um, and it'll just be fresh on your mind and on your heart so that you'll be, you'll be able to discern and distinguish. As it says here, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's ultimately what we want. That's ultimately what discernment is all about, is being able to make choices that align with God's will. To be able to make decisions um, based on his truth and not on our own opinion or our own feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we need to understand that the truth um, is the truth. And sometimes it will come out out of the same person. Sometimes the good and the evil will come out of the same person. So we can't, one of the things that it's important as we distinguish, especially now there's so many preachers and teachers on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, wherever. And sometimes you hear them and you're like, wow, they're, they're way off. That is not scripturally based. And then they say something and it's like, well, that was right. So instead of just throwing them out into like their false prophets or whatever yeah. else, but start listening to what they have to say in discernment. And the, the reason I want uh, this important is because I want to have an example. I have two examples in here is of, of Peter. 
In Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus are walking and says, But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by, by man, but by my Father in heaven. So here God speaks through Peter, right, to, to pronounce it. And then we look seven verses later, six verses later in, in verse 22, same chapter. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Mm -hmm. Same person, literally the same night. Truth came out of him, but also the evil came out of him. So we need to be able to discern. So at the same time, if you have a favorite pastor who's like, man, he's on. That doesn't mean that he's on 100%. That's you good. have to test the spirit at all times to the whole, to the whole time you, you're listening and everything else. Do not be comfortable with the words that are coming out of people's mouth, but always, always test and know and be, have that spiritual, um, seeking that spiritual gift of discernment. Right? The other one that I wanted to bring up uh, is in 1 Kings 13. The, this, this actually story was really heartbreaking to me uh, and confusing at the same time. So this is about a man of God. I don't know if you guys uh, remember this one. It's, it's a very short story about a man of God. A man of God came and he wanted to confront uh, Jeroboam, the king. He's doing this evil things and the man of God comes and he confronts him. He prophesies against him. He makes his hand shrivel up. Then he heals his hand. He does these amazing things. Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. Mm -hmm. And he leaves. Um, and another prophet of God finds out what amazing thing he does. And he comes to get him. Uh, he comes to get him. Be like, hey, come eat with me. And the man of God says, I can't. God told me not to go back to where I came from and don't eat. And that place is like, well, God told me that you should come with me. It's like, oh, okay. I trust you. He goes back and they start eating. And in the middle, uh, in the middle of eating, all of a sudden, while they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back. He cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have, you have defiled the word of the Lord and have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. You came back and ate bread and drank water in the place where he told you not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your father. And then afterwards, they finish eating. The man of God gets up, starts riding his donkey. A lion comes and kills him because he, he defiled. So here's a prophet of God, lies to the man of God because he wanted to just get to know him, I guess. And then while they're eating, he confronts them with the word of God. So the sad part is the man of God wasn't able to distinguish the two. Even though he was being used by God, even though he did amazing miracles and sp spoke the word against uh, what Jeroboam was doing, he wasn't able to distinguish when the prophet was lying and when the prophet was telling the truth. 
Right. Right. And even if God uses someone to bring a prophetic word, and that's the, the, the warning of it, right, is that someone could be used in miraculous ways. Someone could bring forth an, a powerful word. But if you're not testing the spirit, we, we can all get it wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. So here God used him one minute, but he, God had revealed a word to him very clearly and gave him a command. But when another prophet came, he trusted the word that that prophet gave over the word that God had given him directly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we have to wow. be careful not to do is to, to give that power away. If the Holy Spirit reveals something to you directly, convicts you of some sort of sin or God commands you to, to do some sort of ministry or to you know, move forward in some sort of obedience, to trust what someone else is saying over what the Holy Spirit is telling you that's directly. Deep. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. And I mean, we, we, the other reason we share this is because we have to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives and dwells with us. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, God's presence speaks to us and gives us wisdom and direction. But we don't get it right all the time, right? We get hungry. We get tired. We get lonely. We get afraid. And we don't always hear clearly. Um, a lot of times we're, we're doing the best that we can to discern what God is telling us to do, but we don't always get it right. And so thankfully for God's grace, we just have to take all of these spiritual gifts and remind ourselves that we're still human mm-hmm. and we don't get it right all the time. Mm-hmm. And so the testing is actually the more important lesson because we ha- it teaches us that we can't just take things at face value, but we should always test according to the scriptures, according to the word of God, uh, because we all fall short and we can all get it wrong. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with the Lord for two days or 20 years mm-hmm. uh, we all fall short and we all make mistakes yeah no the, i think that was the thing the whole point was like yeah test test even if they were, they were right the first time that doesn't mean they're going to be right every time mm-hmm. like th- that story of the man of god breaks my heart like you were a man of god you, you but you had a selfish desire to meet this right. uh, the prophet had the selfish desire to meet this person and then what what bothers me the most and then he confronts him like, bro, it's because of you, <laughs> you know? So it's just, it's just one of those things. Yeah, and I love what Trish, what Trish said. Like, if God spoke to you, like, people be like, I have a word for, for you. God knows my number. Like, he hasn't said anything. I mean, we should, with humility, if someone is, you know, God can use anyone but, to speak to us. He can even use a donkey, it, yeah. but we're always supposed to test it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just like Paul says, he works out his salvation with fear and trembling so that he, after having preached to others, might not be disqualified. And if Paul felt that he wasn't above that, then who are we to think that we can get comfortable and that we, mm. we have a direct access and a line to God that is, you know, infallible? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So getting into the next meaty one, which is the gift of speaking in different kinds of tongues. Mm. I know some of you, this is a hot-button topic, so we'll, we'll, we'll tread... We're not going to tread lightly. We're, not we're gonna just going to get right into it. We're going to trample. Yeah, we're going to trample. We're going to talk about it. So we're going to talk about, uh, again, we're, the first time that we hear it is, is in Acts chapter 2. We want to go into that so that way we can kind of have the beginning of it. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of violent wind. By the way, we're, so we're on, all on the same page. The day of Pentecost, didn't come, it's not the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came on. The day of Pentecost is when Moses brought the law to the people of Israel. That's, that, they were celebrating the already established holiday. holiday. Not that all of a sudden that was, that's the day that the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. came upon. Right, so there's I mean, spiritual significance that the sign of the second covenant came on the day 
when they were celebrating the institution of the first covenant of uh, the day that the law was instituted. So suddenly a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And I want to just kind of move on. And now there were, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear them in his own native language? Hmm. And then in Acts, uh, we're going to jump ahead to another, another scene here. This is in Acts chapter 10. Uh, Peter visits Cornelius' house. Cornelius was a Gentile. And he brings the word of God uh, because God had revealed to Cornelius in a vision uh, that he was supposed to call for Peter. And so he brings Peter to his house, and Peter shares the gospel plainly with him. And he and his family uh, accept the Lord, and they want to be baptized. And it says uh, in verse 44, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And so in these two instances, the people who were gathered together begin to speak in, in other languages. And first of all, we want to understand the significance of why, did God use, why does God use this gift of other languages? Well, if you follow the story of the Old Testament very quickly um, from Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis 6 and following, even through chapter 10, you start to see that God created everything and it was good. And humanity just unravels everything really fast. Really fast. And one of the biggest scenes that God gives after he gives the, the covenant is that they start to build the Tower of Babel. And what happens in the scene of the Tower of Babel? God says if, if he lets them continue, they, they're trying to become like God. And they're trying to build a tower and be higher than God, right? And so he, the punishment was, or, or the solution was that he strikes on them that there, there will be confusion and they're all going to speak in different tongues and no one will understand each other. And so what you see happening here is, again, this is you, in order to understand the new covenant and to understand what's happening in the New Testament, we have to understand the pattern in the old. Mm. And so the, the coming of the Holy Spirit and the ability mm. to speak in other languages and for everyone who was there to be able to understand them is a sign of the reversal of the curse that was coming on the people from Genesis. And that's what God is trying to to show in this establishment of the church. So it's not just a a random coincidence that people all of a sudden are able to speak in other languages. It was a sign of the covenant that God was with them because there was a reversal of of God's judgment that came on the people at at the Tower of Babel. Does that make sense? So we see here that they're surprised because it's not only for the Jewish people, but it's also for the Gentiles. That now even the Gentiles were able to speak in these other tongues. Yeah, that they were able to receive the Holy Spirit, receive the gospel, and speak in other tongues. And now these two stories have often been used to say that this is uh, the first sign that you have the Holy Spirit. And if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. 
we, if you don't understand the context, again, God was being intentional about these groups of people and revealing himself in that way. That doesn't mean that every single person who believes will have the gift of speaking in tongues. This was God's way of revealing his covenant and his promise with his, and to build up his church. Um, not a, a universal blanket statement for all Christians. And to just, to just compound this, uh, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, this is kind of a, an open-ended, but even with translation, you know, things get lost in translation. But I like that here you can, you can see the implied language. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, verse 29. It says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gift of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but equally, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And from these questions, even though it's been translated into the English from another language, you can still understand the context. The implied answer to these questions is what? Do all have the gift of healing? No. Do all work miracles? Are all no. prophets? The answer no. to all of these questions is no. Mm. And so he's giving an example that we have the whole chapter is leaning to one body, many parts, that we all have different gifts, that we all have different functions, and that we need each other. If everyone spoke in tongues, then we wouldn't need, we wouldn't need each other. But someone will have the gift of tongues. Someone has the gift of prophecy. Someone else has the gift of interpretation. And it causes an interdependence where we need each other. If the answer to four of these questions was no, but the gift of tongues was yes, it would defeat the entire argument. The obvious answer to do all speak in tongues and do all interpret, the obvious implied answer to that is no. Mm -hmm. And so we understand that speaking in tongues is a gift that is given by the Holy Spirit that God grants to his people, but we have to also understand that not everyone will have that gift. Yeah, and again, scripture proves scripture. So when we studied in Ephesians chapter 4, it said, it answers those questions. It says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be others. There, there was, there was an answer to these questions in Ephesians. So the scripture kind of talks about it. Yes, it's a resounding no to all those questions. But it's given to some. It's given to some, but not to all. Right. No. So moving deeper into the gift of tongues, we want to look at First um, Corinthians chapter. 14, there's kind of a lot here. I don't know if we should... There's a lot. Let's go for it. If we should just read it. So, starting in verse 1, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, we're going to read through a good portion of this text. It says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. So as you see, the gift of interpretation is, is being revealed here in parallel to the gift of tongues. So he's saying the gift of tongues is great, but I would rather that you prophesy because then people can actually understand you. When you speak in tongues, if there's no one there to interpret, you're really only edifying yourself. You're just speaking in another language and it's between you and God. 
So the first thing that we want to point out is that the gift of tongues, as we've seen, revealed in Acts and revealed here in in First um, Corinthians chapter fourteen, there is both a public facing gift of tongues and there's a private gift of tongues. The public gift of tongues is what we saw as God was revealing in Acts chapter two and Acts chapter ten where there's a public display of tongues, but there's meant to be an interpreter. You should never speak in tongues publicly if there isn't someone there to interpret, because it just causes confusion, which we're going to get into later in this chapter. And that's something important that Trish and I are talking about, the importance of having the body of Christ in unity and knowing each other. Because if I know that you have the gift of interpreting tongues, then I am freely able to use my my gift of speaking in tongues. But if I don't know that there's somebody there who can interpret the tongues, then I should keep my mouth shut because all I'm doing is edifying myself. So that's a very important part of public speaking is to have that discernment to be like, all right, if I speak right now, do I know, is God giving me the tug that somebody's going to interpret this? But if I don't have that, then I shouldn't be talking. I shouldn't be speaking in tongues if I don't know. And that's why it's so important to know the body that you belong to and what gifts are there. But if, again, unity and oneness and all that stuff, if if we don't know that, then no, we're not speaking in tongues. But if somebody ever told me, like, hey, I I speak in, I have gift of interpretation, all right, amen. So if God ever puts on my heart to speak in tongues out loud publicly, I know that I have a brother or sister who can interpret it. And I can freely do that. And if, and if I start speaking and nobody's interpreting, I need to sit down. Get quiet. Get quiet. <laughs> so we can jump ahead to verse 9 here. It says, Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. And this is what we do in the church. There's so many people who put such an emphasis on speaking in tongues. And they're really just speaking into the air. They're just babbling. Nobody understands what they're saying. They don't understand what they're saying, and it's causing just fear and confusion in the church. It says, undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and he is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. In other words, some of the issue that we have today where people put so much emphasis on the gift of tongues, this was happening because it, it, it was a supernatural, it was kind of eclectic, kind of a, a trending thing to have that it was more visible, it was more open. It was almost like you could wear it as a badge of pride that you could speak in tongues. So the church was desiring this and Paul is saying, hey, tongues is great, but I would rather that you have these other gifts that actually build up the church. Because otherwise, you're just speaking into the air. You're just babbling nonsense. Yeah, and one of the other things, and it's sadly to say, is that it's also a gift that can be easily faked. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, because I'm not, I'm like, I'm not, I, I'm not going to fake the gift of healing. I'm not going to fake the gift of healing. I'm not going to fake the gift of apostleship. I'm not going to fake the gift of prophecy, because if it doesn't come true what I said, yeah, I faked it. But with tongues, and there's such a wide range of sounds that can happen in all the languages of the world, then yeah, you can just babble and be like, it's got to be something. But So that is not connected. That's why people want to have that or try to use it is because who's going to test me? Oh, I guess there was no interpreter. 
You know what I mean? But it's, you cannot fake all the other gifts. Right. This one is something that sadly to say you can. Mimic. Mimic, exactly. And the copy. Mim- copy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in verse 13, it says this. For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. We all have probably met someone or know of people in church who can, who can speak in tongues. But do they have the gift of interpretation? And how often have you been encouraged or admonished to get the gift of interpretation? How many of us know and have met someone or have the gift of interpretation? But he says here very clearly the command in Scripture, remember we're supposed to test everything according to Scripture, is anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Um, What shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. Um, So jumping ahead to verse 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Just classic, (laughs) classic Paul Paul. style. He's like, you know, I'd rather that you prophesied rather than speak in tongues. But just for the record, I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So this is, this is the heartbeat of what we need to embrace as our theology. That, Lord, I would rather be able to teach or I would rather be able to prophesy. I would rather be able to break down the word in a way that helps disciple others than to be able to speak in a tongue. That speaking in tongues is great for your private prayer language, but we need to encourage ourselves. We need to seek gifts that edify the church because that's what spiritual gifts are for. They're for building up the body of Christ. They're not for you to feel cool about yourself. <laughs> yeah. So it says, stop thinking like children in regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. And then he goes on in verse 22. Tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy is for believers, not for unbelievers. If the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, some who do not understand or unbelievers will come in. Will they not say you are out of your mind? This is exactly what is happening in the church today. And he unfolds it really plainly here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So there's this babbling that's happening in tongues and charismatic churches, but there's no one interpreting. And, and, those who are either new to the faith or have not come to know the Lord come in and they don't understand and they just think that we're all crazy. They don't, they're not like, oh, wow, this is such a spirit-filled church and I really feel the anointing in this place. They just feel fear and confusion. Yeah. And so it says, but if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged. The secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. And, and this is so what we see from this, just kind of the, the big takeaway on tongues, is that there is a public gift of tongues, but that should only be used if there's someone there to interpret um, but also we've seen like it was an act where sometimes so, so there's public and private. The private gift of tongues is where you are in your prayer language. You take that to the Lord in your prayer closet um, it does not necessarily require an interpreter. But you should always pray that God gives you the gift of interpretation, because otherwise, he, as he says here, you're you're praying and your spirit prays, but your mind is unfruitful. So even in our prayer time, if you have the gift of tongues, you should pray that God gives you the ability to interpret so that you understand what, he, what you're praying. 
um, so that you could truly be fruitful and edified in, in what you're saying. The other thing that we just wanted to break down, uh, which you may or may not have heard before, uh, just drawing from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, verse 1, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And so this is the other piece that is often not taught, that the gift of tongues can either be languages of men or it can be a spiritual language. And there's a difference. So some people might have the gift of being fluent in another language and some people might have a gift of being able to actually have a prayer language. And they're two different things. And it's highlighted here in, in 1 Corinthians 13, but it's, again, not something that's often taught and equipped in the church. That when you pray in, in tongues, you, you may or may not have a language that's spoken here on earth, or you may have a language that is a, either a dead language or a language that's a spiritual language that nobody would be able to like humanly interpret. Yeah, and it's the, the gift of speaking in, in men, having tongues in men, is one is for people like missionaries who are easily being able to, to learn new languages. And some, it's, it's literally... I have never spoken Chinese and all of a sudden I'm, I'm speaking something out of my mouth and it's actually Chinese, just like in Acts chapter two, all of a sudden they were speaking. Like me speaking Russian is not spiritual gifts of tongues. I was raised in it, I was taught in it since I was little. You know what I mean? But if all of a sudden supernaturally the words come out, for me it was, it was something, when I first spoke in tongues, I had two words. And I kept on repeating it for a long time. And I finally, I shared it with Trish. And praise God, she was able to interpret because I was speaking in Hebrew that I didn't know. And she knew Hebrew, so she was able to interpret it for me. So I was speaking in another language. So that, that was kind of one of the things. And I, was, I had the opportunity to confirm that. So that's one of those things. That was a spiritual gift. But me speaking in Russian, well, you know, it was just cooler. I can speak Russian. You know, or <laughs> whatever our native tongue is. But so that's kind of the two differences I wanted to kind of share about that. And so with interpretation, interpretation is fairly straightforward, but we just we don't give it enough emphasis. And you see here that the gift of interpretation is really outlined parallel to the gift of tongues. They really come hand in hand. And we shouldn't put so much emphasis on the gift of tongues. We should actually be putting more emphasis on someone getting the gift of interpretation, yeah. on being able to tell us what exactly is being prayed, what exactly is being uttered, um, so that we can truly build up the church and be edified by this gift, rather than it just being something that's a novel, kind of quirky thing that Christians are able to do that is actually pretty weird when you just take a step back and think about yeah. it, right? It's, it's a pretty odd gift. But if you understand it in the larger context of the narrative of scripture, you can understand why God would have given us this gift because he's restoring us back to the way things were initially intended to be, which is that we would all be able, you know, every, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord and every nation, language and tribe and tongue will eventually praise the Lord and we'll all be able to understand each other, which will just be an incredible thing. All the languages will, will be able to understand and we'll be as one. Yeah. I think the, the last thing, um, that I want to just mention really quickly. Um, one is just people need to go back to the word with this thing. Like, I mean, it's, it's plainly in the word. If anyone speaks in tongues, two or all, the most three should speak one at a time. And someone must interpret. 
If there's no interpreters, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. This is still First Corinthians. First Corinthians 14. 14. Like we, we don't need to go very far. When you walk into the church and there's all these people speaking in tongues and nobody interpreting, it's like you're literally going against what the scripture is saying. And that is, but the only the one thing I do want to mention to kind of finish it off is there's another prayer, prayerful tongue, uh, prayerful language, or no language. And this is found in Romans chapter 8, verses 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So it's just another one of those times, and I know, I know I've been there where... Words don't come out, speaking in tongues don't come out, and you just kind of clench your teeth and just you hope that God hears what's on your you heart. Cry. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's those cries, it's the weeping, it's the, uh, it's the ugly. But God hears us even in that. So I just kind of wanted to mention that. Also. So just to finish at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, Do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And I think this is our big takeaway is that we should not forbid speaking in tongues, but we also shouldn't allow chaos to break out in the church. But everything should be done with an interpreter in a fitting and orderly way. And people shouldn't come into church and just feel fear or confusion because there's chaos that's breaking loose um, in worship time. But everything should be done in order um, because the Holy Spirit gives us promptings, but we also have we have self-control. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at courtchurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.